Welcome to the Banker Midweek, your weekly look at what the industry is talking about, offering information bankers like you need to know. We're live now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Banker Live from Cybos. This is, we're doing triple duty. We're doing a LinkedIn Live. We're doing the Banker Midweek, and this is also our Cybos wrap-up, the thing that everyone looks forward to all year. So I'm joined by Kimberly Long, our Asia Pack editor, and Joe McKnight, our editor. Hello, both of you. Hello. And everyone knows me. I'm Liz Tomlin. <laughs> I'm not be chatting. Um, so it's interesting. There's been lots of chat and talk uh, uh, at this show. I'm going to talk about a few things coming up. What's interesting is that even though it was on stage, there wasn't a lot of chat about central bank digital currencies, which tends to be a favorite topic on the Banker Midweek, we all know. Um, everyone seemed to talk about generative AI. That was, uh, in fact, people like changed the topic to talk about AI. I mean, do you agree with me that that's what you've seen as well? Definitely. I was actually quite surprised how little chat there was about central bank digital currencies, but I feel like it's been, it's, there's been the test cases now, but now it, until it actually is at scale and there's like that real life usage, I think maybe it's going to be a little bit quiet for a little while. Yeah, there are definitely, there were some questions on CBDCs, mm. etc. And so there, you know, that was covering it. But yeah, in terms of on the conference floor, yeah. not a lot of chat. Mm. I think people are thinking to themselves, okay, we've been talking about it a long time. Now we just need to yeah. actually get something out there that can work, mm -hmm. etc. and test those use cases. But generative AI, Definitely a lot of chatter around that. But I find interesting, again, like AI has been used, artificial intelligence has been used in the banking industry for a couple of decades, yeah, yeah, a couple of decades at least, and things. But the whole generative AI has really, like, you know, sparked people's imagination of what could be it could be used for. But again, there isn't really those use cases out there. I haven't really spoken to anyone who is doing actual, uh, you know, something really substantive mm -hmm. at the moment mm -hmm. but obviously it's the it's the new bright new thing right mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i'll talk a little bit about when i sat down with dario gill at ibm where we talked about ai in a bit but i wanted to um i'm older than we're older than swift but swift celebrated oh no i'm not older than swift Swift celebrated 50 years uh this year of the organization um is that significant is it a big deal i think it is yeah, yeah. Big deal, yeah, yeah. But I think it's um, the, the conversation I just had before was around how, you know, we, we are seeing things like CBDCs coming through and there's so many different, like, you know, we're seeing Singapore doing linkages directly with India, for example. Mm. Is there still that place for SWIFT? Or do SWIFT need to be aware of the fact that there are changes happening away from them? So if SWIFT want to see another 50 years, maybe they need to be evolving a little bit more faster than they actually are. Yeah, yeah but I do think that they are moving a lot faster than they did mm. before. Like, I think SWIFT is engaging in a lot of those discussions and some of those pilots, etc. So it's definitely evolving. Mm. I, I talked to a few people that went to the um, uh, the, um, the party last night, which was the Inner right. Tribe uh, party last night, which sounded super cool. Uh, and then, you know, it was, it was like, you know, food and helium or something like that in a <laughs> balloon that you could, you could eat your food oh, wow. out of balloon. Yeah, I know, it was really weird. And then you'd, you would ring a bell and, and, and your drink would be served to you through a hedge. You know, anyways, it just sounded really interesting. But it really shows. You know what Inner Tribe has done over the last few years in terms mm -hmm. of like Inner Tribe's fifteen, yeah, fifteen years ago, yeah. But like really sort of drive and sort of push the boundaries yeah. a bit, and I think that is set up. But I do think it's competition mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Swift knows it needs to 
you know, bring the whole community with it mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like innovating, etc. But they need to innovate at a faster rate. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. Interesting, because in a when I when Intertribe sort of first kind of was talked about, I think it was Hong Kong, two thousand and nine. Um, you know, this was sort of the start of that sort of fintech revolution, where everyone everyone talked about it's either banks or fintechs. You know, and and of course those of us in the know were like, oh, no, it's probably going to be. We are live people. That's what we're banging. Um, but there was an interesting announcement this week that I, I thought was interesting that um, Wise, formerly TransferWise, Money Transfer Fintech, uh, has partnered with Swift to ease cross-border payments. And um, I think it's an interesting partnership, and it got a lot of attention on the social LinkedIn posts as well. Do you think, how, how significant do you think that is? No, I kind of think it is interesting. I think because, like, for, for my perception, and we're like TransferWise, Wise, we're very early out blocks, you know, and they were really about that cross-border payments, like I knew people anecdotally who would send money via TransferWise. And for them to have teamed up, like it really is that kind of like the fintech and like the big established players kind of working together now. So it is a significant step, but it's, you know, we'll see how, we we'll see how the collaboration works out, what, what kind of emerges from it, I think is what we need to wait and see. But someone said to me, they're like, does this challenge the whole correspondent banking system? Mm. Uh, and if it does, then that is Swift's base, right? Yeah. Is correspondent banking. So all of a sudden, if this starts to disrupt that, you know, what is, what's the role of the Swift community? Interesting also that they made that announcement here. Mm -hmm. And on the, same, on the same day, they made the announcement about Swift and Viva, right? Which is maybe, you know, more, two more established, you know, uh, mm -hmm. long, uh, long-standing companies working together mm -hmm. versus uh, incumbent in a startup. Mm. But maybe this is where, like, you know, if we're looking about Swift's longevity, like maybe it is teaming up with these new companies, mm. you know, it's this is what they need to do. I, I think I, that's how I, I took from it. I think we're going to see more of these types of uh, partnerships going forward. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, you know, if you, it's, if, I think the banks will always play a role in this ecosystem. And this is a huge community of those banks here. Okay, so we've talked about the lack of chat around CBDCs. We've talked about the lots of chat around AI. We've talked about 50 years of SWIFT partnerships. Did you, did you see anything else people people were chatting about? I mean, one of the things that came up consistently, so my focus was very much looking about like what's happening in Asia Pacific. But one thing that came up time and time again was India with the UPI. And that was so interesting so to me. Unified payments. Yes, yeah. interface, interface, yeah. Um, because that has, the consensus is that has been as successful as it could possibly have really been. And which is fascinating because I think when demonetization came in, everyone was just, this is insane. How are you going to demonetize this country with this hugely geographically huge population, huge, I mean, I think it is the biggest, biggest population in the world now, mm. multiple languages, you know, very culturally diverse, but it seems to have done it. And that was very much the focus here. And it's like, oh, this is very interesting. So, Joy, I might be writing about this at some point in the near yeah, future. Yeah, so. um, yeah, but one thing that I did think was particularly interesting <laughs> that came out about it was, when, you know, when you look at this um, move to digital payments and the cashless society, which has happened in China, what India have managed to crack, which China hasn't, is how international visitors can access it as well. Mm. So you can actually use the UPI system as a foreign traveler, whereas in China, you can't, which will be very interesting for Cybos next year. Mm -hmm. I see, yeah, I, I could see India it. being a bit more open to, to outsiders, but we'll get to China 
at, at the end of the bit. Um, oh, more noise, but anyway. So Joy, you spoke on stage several times uh, this week. What did you take away from your sessions? The first session was 9.30 in the morning on Monday. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was Tracy Black, who's CEO and president of Payments Canada. And it was really tracking the modernization of the Canadian payment system. So she was super engaging and really interesting. Uh, and I think and she, it was all about, it was the inside leadership session. It was all about how you lead mm. that kind of transformation project. So she gave very good tips. So I recommend that people watch it or I did a blog on it on Monday as well. Mm. But it's really about, you know, how, how fast you can move as the center when you're having to bring, bring in along with you all these different concentric circles mm. and pulling it all together and things. But they've done a great job. It's been seven years in the making. They still have the real time rails to go. But in general, you know, it's, an, it's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. so I spoke with uh, Dario Gill of IBM. So he's big with AI and quantum computing. Um, and the one thing that he talked about was this idea of the AI should go to the data and the data not to the AI. Um, and I know that sounds kind of simple, but I've noticed this with, you know, uh, Banco Santander was our Innovation and Digital Banking uh, Awards global winner this year. Um, and they, they one of their products is called Gravity, and it's specifically because the data should attract attract uh, the, the right, you know, the, the, the systems that need to use it in the bank. Um, and our Tech Vision column for October uh, with their CEO at uh, uh, BMO Capital Markets, she said the same thing, that the, the, the AI should go to the data. Um, so this seems to be, you know, a, a way to, uh, with people setting up their infrastructures. Yeah, yeah. I think so, but I also think that obviously, bring in they, the banks have done it for a few years now, that bringing that data together. But it also, they've all gone through that cleansing of the data yeah. as well, which is so important when you talk about AI, uh, you know, and how it uses that kind of, uh, it uses the data. So you don't want to have garbage data in, garbage data out kind of thing, mm. or, or uh, yeah, solutions out, right? So you, but they, I think a lot of banks have really gone through that process. And so now they're sitting on data that they can really use and that they can rely on mm. for those, because you wrote about it for the cover story, yeah. or yeah, one of the stories for the, yeah. um, uh, Cyber special issue yeah. uh, on AI yeah. using cash flow forecasting. Cash flow forecasting. Yeah, yeah, and how important that the quality of the data needs to be really mm. high because, as you say, otherwise it's a treats garbage in, garbage out. You know, you can't, you can't trust it. So there mm. needs to be that huge effort to make sure that it's clean, to make sure that it's mm. you understand the sources of where the data came from as well. Mm. It's not as simple as oh, we have this magic AI tool, this will solve all our problems. Mm. That said, I mean, I should, I'm trying to keep our conversation to just in Zybos, but this is other conversations that are coming to my head. What I've heard from a lot of people is that with generative AI, using it for that unstructured data. So BMO Capital Markets was going to use it for like salespeople and traders notes. You know, like that person likes tennis, that person likes whiskey, that kind of dirty data almost. And to, to work with it in that, that seems to have a lot of potential. Yeah. And also, but one other thing Dario did, um, he, he's, he's very, very, I mean, I'm, I'm a, a bit hopeful, hopeful about AI. I don't like to be frightened that our robot overlords will be malevolent. But um, but he did You're kind of, I know, I'm hedging my bets, because I did challenge him. His his last statement was, you know, we will, we will, we have learned the lessons, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll look at to see the ramifications of AI in wider society. And I kind of said, well, that's what we were told about the web and the same players are in power. Are they really 
are we going to lose learn our lessons yeah. with yet? But I want to remain hopeful with our robot overlords. <laughs> We're coming. Okay. We're going to go to our final topic because honestly, outside of AI, the biggest topic at Cybos this year was next year's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's still rumbling. Even though they made the announcement, it's yeah. still rumbling so along. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mentioning a, a, another, another publication, publication, but um, Finextra uh, Newswire ran a, a story today saying that. Um, uh, let me sorry get the right name. Uh, so, um, yep. So we're talking about Cybos next year, going to be in Beijing, and the head of uh, Cybos had a meeting with all the exhibitors today, basically trying to assure everyone that it was still going forward <laughs> um, and everything and they were taking precautions. Um, now the thing of it is in the, in the story of Venexia that struck me, I mean they talked about post-COVID uh, protections which of course we should do with any any event and I understand that China is a huge economic powerhouse, it's a huge political powerhouse, it's a huge financial center, right? All of that makes sense but in the in the story it mentioned that uh, plans to have Cybos in China were pre-pandemic. Now, in my mind, that w world, 2018, was a little different from now. There was no war in Ukraine. There was no pandemic that a lot of people think, you know, that came from China. Um, I think things are tenser now, you know? geopolitical tensions at the time. Yeah. I think things have heated up a bit, yeah. but there was still going on. I still think it's a it's a very interesting decision yeah. to have it in Beijing. Mm. I find it. I'm. I think it's incredibly risky to have the main event in Beijing. I think they should have maybe had a Singapore event and then did a branch. I don't know. I don't run Cybos. <laughs> what do you think? Do you, do you think? I mean, you are our Asia editor. What is I mean, your view? I'm, I was really shocked when it was announced it was well when it was said it was going to be in beijing and i just was like i can't see how this is going to work logistically you know as asia editor i'm absolutely delighted it's yeah. going to be amazing it's going to be full of like asian banks it's going to be i'm going to have a great time so i'm, I'm super excited about that but from like a personal career perspective but um i just the logistics of it is the thing that kind of gets me i mean even like really stupidly i just went and spoke to like a nice lady on the desk about Beijing. I went and had a chat with her a few days ago and just asked about the practicalities of the visa situation. Mm. And she did say you can kind of apply your visa for your visa three months in advance. So mm. I was like, well, maybe that's something to look at because I just had this idea of, you know, there's a lot of talk mm. around that probably we won't see a lot of the international people kind of yeah. going into, into China. But if we do, the city of London consulate is going to be absolutely full of people trying to get visas mm. next summer. So yeah, get your appointments in early, I think is the advice <laughs> from that one. But no, I think from a lot of the banks I've heard, we'll be there, but it will be our our Asia people yeah. or our China, China people that'll be there. But yeah. A lot of banks working about is just general security, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, so being able to, you know, a lot of, like, this is the chatter I've heard, which is that they'll, Bring in, they'll have to bring in like burner phones yeah. and burner laptops yeah. and things. But then you're a bit like, if the you know global heads aren't there from the vast majority of the banks, if you have to bring in all this equipment that doesn't have sort of the connections that you normally have, mm. uh, you know, then I think people will think about it. Um, but yeah, it's an like I too, I'm super excited. Yeah, it yeah. Want to go. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's an interesting decision. Yeah, but I, I mean, all that, all these things being said, I don't think that Swift Cybos are so naive that they wouldn't think that this would be an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think, you know, what was the playoff benefit for that? And I do think having 
potentially the big four bank, like the you know, Chinese banks here, and actually on the floor in Cybos where they aren't normally. I think, you know, if they've been promised they can get Huawei, they can get WeChat, they can get Alipay, they can get JD.com. That's the draw, having those big. That's what, and I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, sorry, we might lose out on some of the the US institutions and maybe some of the Japanese institutions, but instead we're going to get the, the, the big guys from China. It should be really interesting. I'm sure you're going to have a lot on show in terms of innovation. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm excited, but still I'm a bit, a bit wary, yeah, to see what happens in the wider geopolitical space. Like uh, physical, virtual. Maybe, yeah. That's true. Digital. Yeah, that's event. another thing that they said to the exhibitors was that there would be a full digital experience. So, yeah. Like we learned that from COVID. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so anything more that we want to tell our live audience about what's going on? Well, you can see all our uh, coverage on thebanker.com slash cyboss. Uh, and we have some fantastic interviews this, mm -hmm. uh, this week. So a whole view from Cybos video series, as well as our coverage in the uh, September issue of the magazine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, both Joe and I were, did webinars earlier this week as mm. well, which I'm pretty sure are gonna be available soon mm -hmm. as well. You can watch those. And also I am recording some chapters for my Disruptive Voices podcast Cybos specials. So that will be available at some point soon too. And how about you, Liz? Uh, and where did ISO 2022 and your love affair, how has it ended this year? Well, you know, sometimes you don't need the romance. You don't need the fireworks. You just need to know it's there, okay? We're in the middle of that journey, and it's it's a constant. So, yeah, we all know ISO 2022. It's always there in the background. It's dependable. It's a nice guy boyfriend. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you both. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Banker Midweek, part of the portfolio of podcasts from the editorial team at The Banker, available on thebanker.com and wherever you get your podcast fix. Search on The Banker Podcasts to listen to more.